Hello, and welcome into the 60 Feet 6 Inches LSU Pod. Thank you all for joining me. In this episode, we'll be going over the weekend series for the LSU baseball team as they traveled up to Nashville to take on the Vanderbilt Commodores. What were the three big things that I learned from the series this weekend? How did I do on the get right, stay right list? And finally, what lies ahead this week for your Tigers? Thank you all for tuning in. If you are listening in on audio for the first time, the 60 Feet 6 Inches LSU pod is available on Apple, Google, Spotify, and other audio platforms. If you are viewing this on the 60 Feet 6 Inches LSU pod YouTube channel, please make sure and subscribe to the channel. Hit the like button. Hit that notifications bell as well. Feel free to comment on any videos. On Twitter, you can follow me at 60FT6INLSUPod. Make sure to follow the Twitter account, set your notifications, and interact with me as well. And as always, I'd like to thank everybody for the likes, the comments, the retweets, and interactions during the games. So let's get to it. Hey, what an amazing weekend for your LSU Tigers as LSU goes up to Nashville and sweeps the Vandy boys. And they absolutely dominate these guys on the road. And I have to admit it. I told y'all I would come on here and eat crow, but I was wrong. I was completely off on my series prediction. I predicted Vanderbilt would take two out of three from LSU. And I will happily admit that I was wrong. My feelings will not be hurt. But to see LSU play a complete and dominant series like this on the road was very impressive, especially after last weekend, which I would imagine most of the audience here had some serious questions, and rightly so, to get swept at home in the last SEC series for seniors at Alex Box Stadium and to go on the road and play the way they did. You know, and at times last weekend we talked about how they looked very uninspired and they got a little bit dominated by Ole Miss. To me, going on the road and taking this series from Vanderbilt, it was a complete 180 in the way they played this weekend. It was truly impressive. Now, I did state on the preview pod that I could see LSU having success if my three keys to the weekend hit and if my get-right-stay-right list absolutely went off. So more on that later. And I also stated on the Ole Miss review pod that I did not think LSU was that bad. The way they played against Ole Miss, I just didn't think that was them. It was really out of character for the way they played the second half of the SEC season. And I think what you saw this weekend was the flip side of that. This is the most complete and dominant series that they have played all year, in my opinion. Even better than the sweep of Mississippi State on the road. Really due to the fact of what was at stake this weekend in Nashville. Trying to get back into a regional host conversation. Trying to make a top four seed for the SEC tournament, which they did. That allows them to have an extra day off, give those pitchers a chance to rest. So just a huge series sweep on the road for LSU. But when you take a step back and look at it, I think it's a lot to ask moving forward and coming into the home stretch of the season to assume that they're going to play like this every game. I just think it's the nature of baseball. And if I take off my purple and gold shaded sunglasses, you have to wonder a little bit How do they go from getting swept at home to Ole Miss, then going on the road and sweeping Vanderbilt? Very Jekyll and Hyde-ish, in my opinion. But to me, the answer lies in the fact they're college kids, and it's college baseball. And they're a very young college team at that. And they're playing a game of failure in the end. And they're playing in the toughest conference in America. Forget what the ACC is doing this year. And the answer to me lies somewhere in between. They may not be as good as they were this weekend because I thought they played absolutely unbelievable in all three phases. And they're not nearly as bad as they showed against Ole Miss. So somewhere in the middle. But I'll take that. 
So, an RPI update. LSU's RPI sits at 24. They climbed 13 spots over the weekend. They currently have a strength of schedule of 19. LSU's overall record sits at 37-18 and 18 on the year. They finished the season 17-13 and 13 in SEC play, which gives them third place in the SEC West, and as I briefly mentioned earlier, a top four seed in the SEC tournament, which begins on Tuesday, while LSU will begin play on Wednesday. Let's, let's get into the games. Right off the bat, Thursday night, Vanderbilt started one of their good left-handed pitchers, who's a freshman, Futrell, but you could tell really early on he didn't have his best control. We saw Jacob Berry get inserted into the lineup, and he hit right-handed all weekend, and he can barely complete a really a full swing. If you saw it, he had that middle finger extended the whole time during his at-bats, but hats off to him and his toughness and his grit for playing this weekend and hitting all right-handed and just gutting out some swings and some ABs. To me, LSU missed a great opportunity to score in the first with the bases loaded, but in the end, it really just didn't matter. LSU chased Futrell after an inning in a third, and LSU got things going in the second. They scored six runs, which was led off by a Thompson home run. To me, he played great all weekend in the field, and he had some really, really encouraging and very good at-bats as he was very hot at the plate this weekend. Cruz then hits a three-run oppo taco, and then Thompson follows it up again. He finishes out the inning with a two-out RBI which puts LSU in front six to nothing. And we talked about how Hilliard, Mikhail Hilliard, the starter for LSU Thursday night, had been off his form a little bit. Too much reliance on the curveball, needed to get back to using that fastball, maybe even that cutter a little bit. And what you saw from him on Thursday was what we expected to see from him, what we've seen from him up until the past three weeks. Hilliard was back to his usual form. He did an outstanding job of getting the leadoff hitter out for Vanderbilt and throwing up zeros after LSU scored. LSU scores three in the fourth on a two-run home run by Doty, and he got going this weekend after he's really struggled probably the last four weeks in SEC play. Then you see Joe Bear hit a monster home run to right center, I believe, in the seventh inning, which was just a sign of things to come. Doty comes back and hits his second home run in the game in the ninth, and Razelman comes in for Hilliard in the sixth, and look, he just finishes the game off after that. Razelman goes three and two-thirds with zero hits, one walk, and six Ks. And he looked great and very dominant, and he just blew fastballs by Vanderbilt's hitters the rest of the night. So to me, just with that series win on Thursday as they take the opening game 13-2, to a dominant performance. They had the chance to set the tone for the weekend. You saw them in those championship goals, which they would wear every game at Vanderbilt. And to me, it answered a lot of questions. I want to know how they would come out. Would, you know, they're going to come out fighting like they're backed against the wall, come out with that chip on the shoulder mentality where it's them against the world. And to me, they completely answered the bell on Thursday night. A really impressive performance. Hilliard, great to see him get off to a good start. He gave LSU exactly what they needed. And then LSU got Futrell at the game, got into that bullpen, and you just saw the lineup really start to click one through nine. So a very impressive game to me. On to Friday, Game 2. LSU wins this game 8-3. to And once again, I was a little thrown off by the Vanderbilt um, pitching rotation for the week, so I got this wrong. I thought um, uh, McIlvain was going to start this game for Vanderbilt, but it ended up being Christian Little, who's a right-handed pitcher. So he started the Friday game. And LSU went with Ty Floyd. So it was nice to see Floyd finally get his first SEC start after throwing back-to-back really well, back-to-back good outings in consecutive weekends for LSU in relief. 
And from the get-go, you didn't even have a time, excuse me, a chance to get settled in your seat, grab your popcorn, sit on the couch, do whatever, before Dylan Cruz hits an absolute mammoth blast to lead off the game. First pitch of the game. Welcome to the game, Christian Little. Dylan Cruz is not here to play, ladies and gentlemen. So he hits a bomb on the first pitch. LSU jumps out to an early lead, one nothing. LSU is able to take advantage of Little's wildness as they manufacture more runs in the second. They get two runs before a two-out Cranford walk. And then Cruz comes up and hits another Cruz missile for LSU to extend the lead to 5 nothing. Great job by Cranford to extend the inning right there, working the walk, and then allowing Cruz to, you know, We've talked about the bottom of the order. If they can get on, it doesn't matter how they get on. If they get on, they roll the top of the lineup over. And as you can see, more ABs for Cruz, Barry, Doty, Morgan is always a good thing for LSU. Excuse me, Pearson as well, hitting the two-hole all weekend. He had another great weekend with some very good at-bats. So right off the bat, LSU is up 5 to nothing. LSU's up 6-1 to one, heading into the 7th as they get a double-double-single from Morgan, Doty, and Thompson, respectively. And LSU extends their lead to 8-1, to and then Gervais closes it out. Besides Cruz, the story of the game has to be Ty Floyd and his outing. He threw absolutely amazing to me. And he shows you, one, that he can start in the SEC, but two, he is a bona fide dude. He has Friday night starter SEC stuff. The kid's fastball... His 93 to 95. His breaking ball looked really good. They were flipping it in there once or twice in AB. He was able to flip it in there OO and get ahead. And then once again, to me, his changeup looked great versus left handed hitters. Ty Floyd's line on the night was five and a third innings pitched, four hits, one run, one earned, zero walks, seven Ks. Just a truly impressive outing for Ty Floyd on this night. And once again, Backing up what Hilliard did, Floyd comes out. He looked like he was never rattled, ever. And I thought the ump had a pretty tight strike zone. I thought he missed some calls early. But Floyd just kept pounding the zone, plugging away, and really did a good job of throwing up a bunch of zeros and letting LSU's bats do the damage. I think if you can get that type of outing from Floyd, or even something similar, something close to that, moving forward, when you look at the SEC tournament, the regionals and potentially super regionals, that's enormous for this team and that pitching staff. Because with his emergence, hopefully that takes some of the stress and the load off the bullpen. And we all know how much of a load the bullpen's been carrying really throughout SEC play. So, impressed by Floyd. Great job of LSU's bats getting going and Cruz with two bombs. So just a huge statement victory as LSU wins game two, eight to three. And as I've told y'all before, I'm not going to dissect pitch by pitch. I'm just going to go over the key moments in the game. And that I really, with this pod, I was pumped to do the preview pod. I'm excited to do this, this one, even though my prediction was way off base, but I don't care. LSU sweeps. But there's a lot of stuff on the backside that I'm really interested to get into. So LSU's up two games to none. They look to go for the sweep on Saturday. And LSU broke out a little bit of the football score here. LSU wins the Saturday game 21-10, to once again in those championship golds. So just an amazing effort, a great comeback by Jay Johnson's baseball club. Once again, the pitching matchup, I thought they were going to throw the freshman Holton, but they decided to save him for the SEC tournament, which is probably a smart move. 
by the Vanderbilt staff. And instead, they go with the junior right-handed pitcher, McIlvain, who I thought was going to throw game two. But instead, they push him back one, and he goes game three. He goes up against Dutton. So Jay Johnson and Jason Kelly send Samuel Dutton to the mound again, and he's pretty much been a mainstay on Sundays or game three for LSU. And you know, last week against Ole Miss, unfortunately, he only threw one pitch. It was a double off the wall, then he got pulled. So that was that was his outing, one pitch. So I was interested to see how he would back up, kind of what his mental status was in terms of um, would he be able to settle down, would he be able to get some early outs and uh, provide some stability in the Game 3 spot for LSU. Dutton had a very clean first inning, but he ran into trouble with two outs in the second as Vandy strung together five hits in a row for four runs. And to be honest, these were, they weren't, it wasn't like they were playing wall ball out there. You know, they hit, they must have had three or four turf hits, some CNI singles. You know, nothing hit super hard. It was just a matter of they became very aggressive at the plate against Dutton, so they were jumping on the first pitch. And a lot of times, uh, you don't ex- you don't always expect hitters to swing on the first pitch. So you may he threw a get me over curveball that got hit. He threw a fastball that was supposed to be on the outside corner. It leaked over the middle. That got attacked for a single. So just a little bit of bad luck, a little bit of lack of pitch execution, and it looked like to me things happened really fast for him in that inning to where all of a sudden, you know, five or six pitches later. There's still two outs, but they had three runs on the board. So that can happen as you're still getting your feet wet in the SEC as a freshman. Cooper comes in, and he gives up a mammoth blast to Spencer Jones, who was Vanderbilt's best player on the weekend. So that made it 6 to nothing early for Vanderbilt. And at this point, I'm going to be honest, I thought Uncle Mo had switched dugouts. I even told some of my family members, man, it, it just didn't, it felt a little bit like Ole Miss to me. And I was like, well, they take two out of three games. I'm fine with that. Still a great weekend on the road, getting back on track. But lo and behold, LSU proves me wrong. So, and give credit to those players. I mean, they just kept chipping away. And Cooper, after that home run, he did a really good job of throwing up several zeros, holding Vanderbilt at bay, letting LSU catch their breath after that early barrage by the Commodores so LSU could get a chance to figure out the pitcher and string some hits together, which is exactly what they did. LSU, LSU scores three in the third, aided by a Morgan and Joe Bear double, which cuts the lead to six to three. Then McManus comes up with a home run in the sixth. He hits an absolute blast on a hanging slider, and he struggled a little bit this weekend, but he didn't miss that pitch. So that cuts the lead to six to four Vanderbilt. Money comes in and relieves Cooper. Money gives up another home run to Jones. I think this is the one that went over the batter's eye in center field. Just... Look, Jones is going to play in the big leagues. I mean, the guy's six seven. He looks like a damn tight end. He's six seven. He plays right field. He used to be a pitcher, I believe they said on the broadcast, and he had some injuries, and he can absolutely just swing the stick. I mean, that ball over this batter's eye in center field was truly impressive. At this point, the score is eight to four. LSU keeps fighting though, and at this point, Joe Bear decides I'm just going to take over the game, and it's going to become the Braden Joe Bear show. He went nuts on Sunday. So Joe Bear adds a massive three-run home run. He makes it 8-7. to seven. But once again, Vandy finds a way to scratch a run in the bottom of the seventh to make it 9-7. to seven. And to me, this is where the game changed. This was massive. So Fontenot comes in in that inning. There's one out. And then he hits a guy, hits a guy to load the bases. Then he walks in a run. 
So at this point, Jay Johnson and, and those guys make a change. They bring in Collins. So you have bases loaded, one out, nine to seven, and you have Enrique Bradfield Jr. coming up. So for those who don't know, that's leadoff. And after him is Jones, who's going ballistic. He's in the two-hole. And to me, it's like, you know, these big red warning flashing lights went off because it's like danger, danger time right here. They'd held Bradfield at bay all weekend, which was a phenomenal job by the pitching staff. But this guy can just flat out run. He's their center fielder. And they showed the quote several times on the broadcast during the weekend. Jay Johnson referred to Bradfield Jr. as the most disruptive player in college baseball, and I totally agree. He is absolutely scary when he gets on the base pass. He is 41 for 41 in stolen bases. And um, he just looks like he can steal second, third, and he's even stolen home this year anytime that he wants. He's that quick. So Collins comes in, and you're just like, man, you need <laughs> a strikeout, some freak double play, a line drive, something. And lo and behold, Collins gets him to ground back to the pitcher, to himself. And a great PFP play, because here's the tough part, people. It wasn't a tough ball to field. The tough part is, you know Bradfield Jr. is flying down the line, and you have a chance to get out of this inning and turn two. So what Collins did, which is perfect, he didn't rush. Most of the time, people rush their throw to home. And that's when you see people pull the catcher off the plate, or lo and behold, they throw it off the backstop because they're freaking out. Collins throws a strike to McManus. McManus does a great job, clears himself, and throws an absolute bullet down to Morgan at first base for the double play. And to me, that was the play of the game. Play of the game. If you see, if you see that situation, you're thinking, this could get ugly. Probably two runs, potentially more with Jones and um, Keegan coming up with the heart of that lineup but hats off to Collins great job by him and then you wonder they did push across a run it just feels like can LSU finally catch up or get even because you feel like once they take the lead they get enough arms to get this thing done and then the top of the eighth comes around and boy did they send a message to the SEC and to me the rest of the country and it was just an amazing inning and as a fan I think you just have to sit back and enjoy the hell out of that inning And just laugh almost and say, look what these guys are doing. It was truly impressive. And look, I'm not going to recap the whole inning, but LSU scores 11 runs in the top of the eighth, highlighted by a Joe Bear Grand Slam, which is really impressive. You almost got the feeling when the base, the way he was swinging the bat, you know, you almost like to call it to your buddy. Look, I think he's going to hit a Grand Slam, and lo and behold, he did. It was a blast. But to me, LSU could have stopped right after that because they had the lead. But the best thing about it is after the Grand Slam, McManus comes up and says, oh, we're not done. McManus gets the inning going again with a single. And lo and behold, a couple hits later, LSU scores four more runs. So that was very impressive. They kept the inning going. And the majority of this was off the Vanderbilt closer, which he had great stats coming in. But as I recall, and maybe it was the way LSU was hitting him, but I just didn't think he had great stuff. I mean, to me, his stuff wasn't close to like a Razelman or a Gervais stuff. But LSU just absolutely destroyed those guys at the end of the game, putting up. Anytime you put up 11 runs in an inning, you're going to hurt a bunch of people's feelings out there. Cruz was not to be outdone as he hits a two-run home run in the top of the ninth, and LSU scores three more runs for good measure, and the final ends up being 21-10. to I think a score that uh, many football fans and Brian Kelly would be proud of. So that's it. LSU takes the series. They sweep. They get some much-needed seating for Hoover and just a phenomenal weekend all the way around for LSU. Truly impressive. And you really had a chance, I think, to see what this team's made of. More on that to come. 
All right, here we go. Gold-plated money stats for the weekend. I know this is everybody's favorite part. LSU now has 106 home runs as a team. They have four players in double figures. And McManus is right there on the cusp with nine home runs. So I would imagine when it's all said and done, LSU will have five players in double figures. Very impressive. LSU hit 11 home runs on the weekend. Once again, very impressive. Now these are really the nitty-gritty here, the gold-plated money stats. LSU only had 26 strikeouts. So 33% of the outs were strikeouts. But that is way, way down from the past two weekends. When you look, the past two weekends, I believe, Bama and Ole Miss, LSU's percentage of outs was about 45% of the time they were striking out during those weekends. So very impressive, nice adjustment against a a good Vanderbilt stat. You always know Vanderbilt's going to have good arms, and they did have good arms. They may be a little young and a little inconsistent at times, but still, for LSU to really cut that percentage, that was pretty impressive. And they also had 21 walks as a team. So 26 Ks, 21 walks. So... Almost even even Steven right there. Very nice by the LSU hitters. We've talked about two out hits and two out RBIs for weeks now. Now last week, LSU had zero two out RBIs, I believe. But against Bama, I think 66% of their runs were with two outs. So how do they do against Vanderbilt? LSU hit 316 with two outs. Impressive. And they scored 15 runs with two outs. So a little over, their, a, little over a third of their runs scored this weekend were with two outs. So once again, they just to me, they just return to the form they've shown all year. The ability to extend innings, get clutch hits with two outs, and they showed once again that they're able to do that on the road to me. Very impressive. Here is the best gold-plated money stat for the weekend. Tell your friends, tell your family, show them how smart you are. Here we go. I couldn't believe this when I saw this. LSU was 15 for 27 this weekend when leading off an inning. That's a 555 batting average. Let me repeat that. LSU was 15 to 27 leading off an inning this weekend for a 555 batting average. That is massive. You know, I talk about it from the pitchers. The biggest thing you want to do as a pitcher is keep that leadoff guy off. Period. Because then the chances of them scoring goes down tremendously. And then you want to get two outs. You want to get the next guy out, obviously. Those are kind of the key tenets of pitching. Or no two-out walks is another one. But for LSU, think about that. 15 of 27. So that means that is continued pressure every inning on that opposing pitching staff. It's just something to where they just, you know, every time somebody comes up, if they get on, God, I got to go from the stretch again. They're putting pressure on me again, especially if LSU scored two or three the inning before and that leadoff guy's right back on again as a pitcher. I just feel like it's a nonstop onslaught, and that just wears you down, not only physically but mentally too, just because you have to make tougher pitchers from the tough, tougher pitches from the stretch. So great job by the LSU hitters on that. And lastly, this was too good to pass up. We talked about how dynamic Enrique Bradfield Jr. is as a player. LSU phenomenal job of holding him at bay because against Arkansas the week before, Enrique Bradfield Jr. was the SEC Player of the Week. This weekend. He was two for 11 in the three-game series with one absolutely meaningless stolen base. So a fabulous job to the pitching coach, Jason Kelly, and that pitching staff by keeping him off base because he's the one that sets the tone and gets things going. So if you want to find out how he was such a good player or the problems he could he could pose to pitching staff, you can listen to the preview pod. But um, I just couldn't pass up that gold-plated money stat. 
So there you go. Get right, stay right, baby. How did I do? Against Ole Miss, remember, I got absolutely demolished. All my picks went south. Just wasn't a good weekend. But this weekend, I'm going to let you hear about it. I absolutely crushed my get right, stay right list. Get right. I had Hilliard. And to me, Hilliard got right. So that's a hit. He looked like the Mikhail Hilliard from a couple weeks ago. We already talked about it a little bit. So why? To me, it was the confidence in his fastball. He was locating it early. He was showing it early. He was throwing it more than enough to keep hitters off balance. And between that and his curveball, I thought he looked great. Hilliard's line from Thursday night. He went five and a third innings pitched, eight hits, two runs, one earned, two walks, and four Ks. So to me, he did a great job against the Vanderbilt hitters, a great job keeping Bradfield Jr. off the base pass. And one thing I also saw from him was I thought he saw, showed more of his cutter. I haven't seen his cutter featured that much this year, and uh, I really thought he did a great job showing it to hitters on the outside corner, especially to righties. So hats off to him. And as we've discussed, to me, he's the, he's the key for this pitching staff moving forward. He's a senior leader. He sets the tone for the first game of a series, and he's going to continue to have a chance to do that in the SEC tournament whenever they decide for him to pitch. I think he could come back and pitch Wednesday if needed, and um, also in the regionals. It's very tricky with how the regionals go. I hope they host. I've seen some projections where they still don't have them hosting, but if LSU's a two seed for some reason and they play a three seed, I guarantee you Hilliard's starting that game. If LSU's a one seed playing a four, I mean, some of these fours are really tough, so I, I don't know which way Jay Johnson will go, but that's neither here nor there right now. But Hilliard got right. Phenomenal outing by the senior on Thursday night against Vanderbilt. The other get-right group was the defense slash catchers. After digging into Vanderbilt on the preview pod, you saw they had some pop, but they really like to string together hits. They do that very well, and they can put a lot of pressure on the defense specifically the catchers. So to me, it was paramount that the defense show up. They were playing on AstroTurf. I felt like they would get better hops. But how would the catchers handle curveballs in the dirt? How would they handle the running game of Vanderbilt? Well, to me, they did a great job all weekend. About as well as an LSU fan can hope for, to be honest with you. You saw Cranford play really well and show out at third. I thought Thompson and Doty played well up the middle. Nothing that stood out that really hurt you in terms of errors. And, um... Vanderbilt has some very athletic hitters, and they like to pound the ball on the ground and try to beat it out. Or you saw guys have some bunts with some push bunts and square on the bunt a lot of times. But I thought the defense handled themselves well. And I thought McManus, he may have had one or two get by that I thought he could have blocked. But all in all, he did a great job of blocking breaking balls in the dirt, keeping them in front of him, in front of him and then he was able to pop up and make sure those runners didn't advance. So great job of McManus back there this weekend. So on the weekend, they had a total of five errors, but really off the top of my head, I cannot recall any that were absolute backbreakers, but uh, maybe my judgment's a little clouded just because of how well they hit. But to me, defense was huge. Catchers were big. The defense got right. So another hit for Demui. All right, on the stay right list, I thought these guys would really, they've been carrying the club all year, but I thought they would really have to step up this weekend because I did not know the status of Jacob Berry, and we knew Dugas was still hurt. Stay right, Cruz. I mean, come on. Dylan Cruz should be the, the freaking SEC player of the week. He definitely stayed right. And what he did this weekend was crazy to me. 
I'm not sure what else I can say about this guy or what we haven't already said, but he is an absolute stud. And to me, I was texting with some uh, LSU people throughout the weekend. I think he's a top 10 position player of all time, assuming next year he has a year similar to his freshman and then freshman year and then this year. So I'm going to divide the pitchers and the position players. It would be too tough to for me to think back and try to combine the list. But as of right now, Dylan Cruz, top 10 LSU position player of all time, check that box for me. As I stated in the preview pod, he would have to step up, and he did exactly that. I mean, just in an enormous way. All he did on the weekend was go 7 for 14 with four home runs, a double, and nine RBIs. On the Thursday night game, he was on base for all six plate appearances. And you saw him move into the leadoff spot this weekend. So that was very impressive. And of course, the leadoff home run Friday on the first pitch of the game. So Dylan Cruz stayed right. The last one on the stay right list is Trey Morgan. Now he's been coming along. I thought he's been playing. You know he's always going to have the defense, right? But to me, I thought he's really been swinging the bat a, a lot better. So once again, he stayed right. And that trend continued this weekend as Morgan stayed hot. Morgan, on the weekend, he went 6-for-12 with three doubles, four RBIs, and four walks. And he copied his, uh, his teammate as he got on base all six times on Saturday, much like Cruz did on Thursday. So, continue to make nice plays, amazing stretches, pick some balls on the turf. I don't think y'all realize how athletic of a first baseman he is the things he can do with his stretch and his glove work over there is just freakish because I would imagine he's a good enough athlete to go play any outfield position and um I mean he's just athletic you just don't see that from that many first basemen really even in the big leagues not even close so Morgan is uh enjoy him while he's here LSU fans because uh he does some insane things at first and he's absolutely swinging a hot bat as well from the left side so Morgan stayed right So I'm going to be honest. I think I hit on them all. I'll take it. I hit on the get right. I hit on the stay right. And in the end, those three guys in the defense really spurred LSU to a sweep this weekend of Vanderbilt. All right, beginning to wrap this thing up a little bit here. What were the three big things from the weekend that I learned? And I'm really not going to harp on players this weekend. To me, it's more about um, the program the direction of the program, and just the overall feel that I have, you know, moving forward to SEC tournament time, Hoover, regional, and hopefully super regionals slash Omaha. The first thing that I learned is that LSU's lineup can hit with anyone in the country, and Jacob Berry is still not fully healthy. With Cranford plugged in at third base, you can now use Stevenson as a weapon off the bench, and we saw that to where he comes in, he's able to lay down some bunts, and do some different things uh, in replace. He replaced Barry, actually. So that's a big weapon off the bench. And when this lineup is clicking like it was on all cylinders, they can hit for power one through eight, and they can put up a ton of runs. There's not really an easy out in the lineup. And while I hope they keep this run up, I just think it's very tough for any team to hit the ball one through nine that consistently for an extended period of time. And you could do it in a weekend, which they just showed. And if you think about it, they do it during the regionals, they do it during the super regionals, then they got a ticket to Omaha. So they really only have to do it two more times. But baseball is a tough game, and they're going to run into some really good arms. 
Not that Vanderbilt didn't have any, obviously. But, um, man, when they're clicking, they are fun to watch, and I'll put them up against anybody in the country, bottom line. I don't care about Tennessee. You can bring those guys on as well. Number two was the second big thing I learned from this weekend. When this team needed it most, their backs were against the wall. They showed me something. You can use all those words you want, like grit, determination, heart, etc. But to come in and do that on the road versus a talented team in Vanderbilt who just got done taking a series at Arkansas was truly impressive. And I'm sure the team heard the doubters around town. And I'll be honest, I was even a little bit of one. And I wondered after the Ole Miss what this team would show up. What would they do? What would they look like? But we know they've excelled on the road this year. They've played really well. They swept Vanderbilt on the road. They swept State on the road. They took two out of three from Florida and Alabama. So they played very well away from Alec Box Stadium. And the ability to play like this on the road continues to carry weight at this point in the season as they go on the road to Hoover and then hopefully Super Regional time. And hopefully they host a regional in Baton Rouge. I think looking at some of these projections, it seems like they're going to need probably two wins to absolutely solidify their spot as a host site and maybe something else to happen. I didn't go too in-depth, but I tell you what, if LSU is coming to my venue to play as a two-seed, I'm pissed. You can send those guys somewhere else. I do not want those guys at my field as a two-seed, and I don't want them on the road. So, not good. Not a good combo. Not a good combo. All right. Lastly, the third thing from the weekend that I learned. Coach Jay Johnson still has some tricks up his sleeve, ladies and gentlemen. I mean, to me, obviously we know he's been there and done that, right? He's been able to get teams to the regionals, to the super regionals, and he's been able to get Arizona to the College World Series. But we saw some different things from him this weekend that we haven't seen all year. You saw a couple of straight steals. You saw a couple of hit and runs. They were very aggressive on the bases, especially with the left fielder Vaz for Vanderbilt. They looked to run on him every chance they got. So hats off to the analytics and the scouting department for whatever they found out about Vaz. But they rounded the third base hard on him. They challenged his arm multiple times. And I just love the aggressiveness and sense of urgency this team played with this weekend. And I think, me included, as a fan base, we've questioned some of the moves from Coach Johnson at times. You know, but obviously this team responds to what he keeps telling him and what the coaching staff keeps preaching and the plan they have in place. You see them buying in to what he's selling. But it's at least what they did this weekend. You know, I don't know what happened at Ole Miss. To me, that's in the past. But before Ole Miss, if you think about it, though, they were riding high in the second half of SEC play. They were 7-2 and two before the Rebels came to town. And they were playing very consistent. So I just think Ole Miss may have just been a blip on the radar. And what you saw this weekend is a, a bigger picture of who they are as a team. You know, there is a ton of talent on this team everywhere you look. But now, it's not just about talent. These games coming up, it's about playing together as a team and playing clean baseball in all three phases for two weekends in a row. You don't have to go out there and score 21 runs in a game, in a regional or a super regional. I mean, it helps. But if you just play clean baseball and do the little things, extend innings, two-out hits, two-out RBIs, pitchers, shutdown innings, get the first guy out, 
Little things, defense, make the plays when they're given to you. You don't have to go berserk and make web gems all over the place. So this team can win games six to three, seven to four, you know, three to one if needed to, because they had that bullpen sitting there locked and loaded. It's just about playing together as a team, playing consistent and clean in all three phases for two weekends, and you find yourself in Omaha, in my opinion. All right, what's next for your Tigers? So, LSU is the four seed in the SEC tournament. They will play Wednesday versus the winner of Auburn, Kentucky. As a reminder, they have already advanced to the double elimination portion of the SEC tournament, with all games on Tuesday being single elimination. So, it's going to be very interesting to see how Coach Johnson and Coach Kelly decide to line up their pitching staff for this tournament. I believe Hilliard should be ready to roll on Wednesday if needed, but they may choose to save Hilliard. If they lose on Wednesday, then they come back to elimination game on Thursday, and I would imagine they'd rather have their ace throwing that game. You still have plenty of arms that didn't throw this weekend or didn't throw a heavy workload that could come back and start Wednesday. I mean, Grant Taylor didn't even touch the mound this weekend. He could start for you. Dutton could probably come back and throw. Uh, Razelman could even get a start for you. Hasty in that spot if you wanted to. So there's a lot of different people that uh, could tow the rubber on Wednesday versus the winner of Auburn and Kentucky. So to me, I'm just going to sit back and not try to predict and just see who they roll out there and just go with the flow. The other thing that's next that you have to think about is um, LSU had a bunch of success in the SEC tournament with Coach Palmineri, and it was definitely a different change from Skip because Skip just wanted to play two games, make sure everybody got a chance to throw, go home, and get ready for the regional. If those teams did well, had a chance to win it, great. But if not, he wasn't too worried about it. Where I think you saw more of a focus on the SEC tournament with Maneri, and that may have been more due to the fact of trying to get a top eight national seed because everything changed between Skip's time and then uh, Maneri's time. So it'll be interesting to see how Coach Johnson decides to play this with the goal of the staff is in the mindset of the boys going into the tournament. And I mean, I have right here in my notes, I think they're safe as a regional host, but I love, after looking at some of these projections, I'm getting a little worried. So hopefully they can get one or two more wins up there in Hoover, stay around for a little while and secure their spot as a regional host. As a reminder, the regional selection show will be Monday, May 30th. So before I finish, I want to let everyone know that there is a special edition podcast that is going to be released on Monday. Well, actually, it's going to be released Sunday night. So I'm going to be really pumping it hard Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. I had the opportunity to interview several members of the LSU Club baseball team. They won their regional recently here across the river uh, in Bruley from Baton Rouge. And they will be traveling to the National Club Baseball World Series in Greenwood, South Carolina this week for the first time in program history. That tournament starts May 27th. I heard about their success and wanted to use my platform to help them raise some money for their trip. This trip is all self-funded. Look, they're LSU students. They get no help from really from the university. The rec center may kick in a little bit, but a lot of it, you know, gear, uniforms, any type of travel expenses. They do play in a conference to where they have to travel to Alabama, Ole Miss, Texas A&M. That's all out of their own pocket or their parents' pocket. So it can get very expensive, as you know. But I wanted to use my platform 
to help them do anything I could to spread the word and to help secure some donations, hopefully. I had a great time talking to these guys. I learned a lot about the club, their team this year, the reason for their success, and what their hopes are for the World Series. So as LSU fans, we all know that every little bit helps. Please go check out that podcast. It is in podcast form only, so it will not be up on the YouTube page. So I'll be linking everything to my Twitter account, at 60feet6inlsupod. And if you want to visit their donation site now, there is a link on their Twitter account. Their Twitter account is at LSU Baseball Club. The link to donate to them is pinned on their Twitter account, so it'll be the first thing you see. It is a classy.org website. And we just want to wish those boys good luck. I will be tweeting out um, a lot of links, a lot of information, trying to follow them as they go to the Club Baseball World Series, and we wish them all the best. So that'll do it for this week's LSU versus Vanderbilt Series Review Pod on the 60 Feet 6 Inches LSU YouTube and podcast channel. Please make sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel, like and comment on this video. Make sure to check out the podcast on Apple, Google, Spotify, and other audio platforms. And make sure to follow and interact with me on Twitter at 60FT6INLSUPod. Thank you guys and stay safe. And I guess we'll just have to wait and see what happens in the SEC tournament from here on out. And I will put out another pod as soon as I get a better feel and better idea of what's going on. So thanks for all the support. Y'all stay safe. Take care.